Okay, well, we are on our penultimate, I guess, really, I guess it's the last week on the Devoted series because next week, our whole time in terms of gathered in this room will be an hour. There'll be a mixture of singing, offering, testimonies, and there'll probably be a few minutes here and there for either myself, Si or Rich, or maybe a mixture of us to say a few things, but there won't really be a set sermon as such. So this is going to be the last one in the Devoted series. Um, after our birthday, we'll do two standalone Sundays Thematically, we're going to look at um, the nature of uh, walking by faith. Really, what is that? Because it's one of those phrases you throw it around, but what does it look like? And we'll also look at disappoint- handling disappointment um, as, as a believer and all that that entails. Then we've got Palm Sunday. We'll be excited about uh, Jesus as, our, as the great King. We'll look on that. And then Easter Sunday, April the 8th, we'll celebrate that He is alive. He's risen from the dead to the resurrection. And then from the 15th, we'll start a new series called No Retreat, No Surrender which is a series on spiritual warfare, and we should spend about 10 weeks in that. So that's the plan, that's how it's looking, it's going to be good, and um, God's going to hopefully um, just keep, um, as he does, speaking to us powerfully by his Spirit through his Word. So, let's pray. Father, thank you for this series and how you seem to have blessed it and rested on us through it. And now, Lord, as we open up your Word again, I pray for your grace to rest on me as I speak, Lord, that I would find that I have been helped and equipped by you for it, so the words make a difference. And I pray for those that listen, that you would give them ears to hear what you are saying. I pray for life change through this message, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's start just by saying this. You've got to realise it. You've got to renew your mind in this, probably weekly, if not daily. The Christian life is impossible to live. Okay? You really need to get that. It's vital that you understand it. If you don't get it, then things will go funny one way or the other. There's two natural ways to respond to that. The first is to lower the bar. Just kind of think, man, you you look at you think, how am I going to do that? Well, I'll tell you what, let's just kind of bring it down a bit, then I can do that. The problem is is that you're you're met with scriptures that say things like, those who say they are in him ought to walk in the same manner that he walked. And you're like, "Mm, that's not going to work. Simply lowering the bar does not solve the problem. Um, I guess the other way to respond um, is just despair. <laughs> Naturally, you just think, or discouragement, you think, ah, or desperation that ends in discouragement or despair, or uh, amazing effort that ends in discouragement or despair. Um, God's answer is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's God's answer. And out of that continued infillings with the Holy Spirit. That's God's answer. That's clearly from the Bible God's answer. When you look at the disciples, the early disciples, they were hopeless. Praise God. Anyone want to say hallelujah? The disciples were really not very impressive. They were fearful. They, were, they didn't understand it, didn't get it. And actually they were locked up in a, in, in a room hiding, basically, from fear of the Jews. God pours out his spirit on them and before we know it, um, one of them who about six weeks before had denied even knowing Jesus out of fear, is preaching to thousands of people. That's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That is what being filled with the Holy Spirit does. And uh, so we need to keep coming back to the biblical standard, even if your own experience of the Spirit has not quite produced that kind of change. What I would encourage you to do is not to then just, again, lower the bow in terms of your expectations, but to press on. To really, really press on. Because as I said last week, if this isn't, God's blueprint for how he wants it to work, then what is? We really are without a compass. He's given us this to, so that we might understand what is in his heart for us. So um, Jesus said, hallelujah. John 14 verse 8, I will not leave you as orphans. I love that verse. 
He recognised he was about to go and be with the Father after his death and resurrection. He was going to ascend physically to be with the Father. He said, I won't leave you as orphans. I'll send one just like me um, who will come alongside you. And, and then and in, in the following discourse, Jesus talks about um, them speaking boldly. He talks about them remembering truth. He talks about them being able to pray effectively. He talks about them doing the same things that I have done and even greater things. And the whole context is because I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. This is the teaching of the Bible. And um, the spirit of adoption comes to equip us to live the life and do the stuff. And last week we looked at how the baptism of the spirit leads to that sense of, I know I'm his. I know, Abba Father, I can cry out from my depths, Abba Father, because the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship has been given to me. There's that deep knowing that no one can take away from you. I remember once, probably told you a story before, forgive me if you've heard it. But when I was, I've been a Christian a few years and I think some Jehovah's Witnesses came around and they were the absolute expert Jehovah's Witnesses and tied me in knots. I mean, it took me apart, you know, I mean, whatever phrase you want to use, you know, I shut the door and I was, the only solution was to have a bath. And um, so I went upstairs, ran the bath. I remember just sitting down while the bath's running and I just said something like this, oh, Father, I don't know what to do about that. And in that moment it was like, oh, look, I've just been absolutely destroyed doctrinally by the Jehovah's Witnesses and what is my response? Father. Because the indwelling Holy Spirit and the knowledge that he brings in your depths that you are a child of God goes, goes, goes way beyond anything. It's a, a cry from your deepest part. And so that's, that's what he comes to do, the Holy Spirit. Also he comes to equip us so we can actually live the life and do the stuff. Um, now we're going to look through some, some, op- some moments where that happens in the book of Acts. Particularly we'll focus on Peter um, today because really I think Peter's life is a parable of, of the... I mean, you know, if you said to Peter, Peter, what's the key? What's the secret? He would say, the Holy Spirit. We'd say, tell us about it, Peter. And he would say, that night, the night when Jesus was betrayed and I, I'd said to him hours before, I will go to death with you and I'd absolutely given my life to him and I loved him more than anyone else. I couldn't even admit that I knew him. You see, affection, enthusiasm, it's not enough. But then I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And man, I preached to a whole city. You think, wow. So Peter, we're going to look at a little bit because he's, he is, wherever you are, you're in, you're in if, if that's Peter's spectrum, denying Christ to preaching to a city, you're going to fit in there somewhere, right? <laughs> you, can't be, you can't be any further of that end of the spectrum. Uh, and you really, you, I'm, I don't know, maybe there's some hidden, hidden citywide evangelists here, but you know, I mean, we all fit right in there. So it's going to really help us to look at Peter, um, Peter today. Um, we're going to start by um, a, a beautiful story whereby Peter and John, very shortly after, um, they've been baptized in the Spirit, and we're told in Acts chapter 2 of, um, of uh, how the church lived this devoted life, this beautiful life devoted to prayer. Fellowship, breaking of bread and uh, teaching of the Bible and all of that. And then in Acts chapter 3, we pick up this amazing story. That's, if you've been a Christian a while, it's kind of very, very famous. And so if we just read together, if you have a Bible with you, um, we'll get the slide up in a second. I want to focus on one bit. But for now, we'll, we'll just, um, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, 3 p.m. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms and Peter directed his gaze at him as did John and said, look at us. 
and he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And there was an absolute riot in the temple. So Pete and John carry on on their merry way with this guy kind of doing all his new moves around them, you know, because he can move now. And everyone's like, isn't that that guy that's been sitting there for 40 years, you find out later? And he's like, yes, it's me. And, and so a huge crowd gathers. But I want to firstly just pick up on something that Peter says. If we look at our first slide, it's really important that we get this. What I have, I give to you. You can't give what you don't have. This is, this is quite basic, I must admit, but it's actually quite a big deal. Look at Peter's understanding, look at what he's saying here. He recognises that he has received the Lord Jesus Christ's very presence through the Holy Spirit indwelling him, and clothing him with power. I wonder even if it was a physical thing we're told of Jesus once, that when people came around him to to lay hold of his cloak or his body, that he felt the power go out from him. That actually, it seems like there were times when Jesus so knew the power of, of the presence of the Spirit on him and in him, that when people, you know, remember when he said, uh, he said, who touched me? And the disciples said, what are you talking about? Who touched you? There's crowds everywhere. What do you mean who touched you? And he says, no, I felt power go out from me. It's incredible. And so here, you know, you even, you, I don't know. I mean, I, if someone said to me, you know, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, I just I feel the power of God on me physically. I would not have any problem with that. I wouldn't think that was weird or crazy or silly. It's biblical. You really, I'm really, I'm hammering this in week after week so that I, I think that very often, even charismatic Christians dismiss stuff that's biblical because it's outside of their experience. You mustn't do that. Otherwise, what happens is you determine what you experience through what you, through what you say is acceptable. Which is generally what? What you understand. It's not, your life is going to be pretty limited. So I'm not saying, quick, get the fuzzy wuzzies. You know, you must get that fuzzy thing. I'm not saying that. But if you feel the power of God on you, that's fine. That's really, really fine. Go and pray for someone if you do, for goodness sake. Just make sure they let you first, okay? Don't, just charge on them, you know. But that's cool. That's cool. Peter says, what I have, he knew, he knew that he had it. And I think this is more than just a mental kind of, I recognise I'm a Christian, I know who I am in Christ, though those things are vital. He also knew he'd received the power of the Spirit. And so the lesson here is this, is that get the Spirit. <laughs> then you can give what the Spirit has empowered you to give. Go, go for it. I was just say that to you. I think you just need permission to know that that you're to press into God why so you can be a blessing some Christians are so nervous about praying for themselves like well I prayed for there they've gone everywhere what about yourself well I didn't want to be selfish it's like listen the Lord has called you to be a blessing you can't just do that here's how it works God says I will bless you and make you a blessing so you've got to be receiving from the spirit but your, your whole mentality must be so that I can out of that be a blessing absolutely it's not selfish you need the Holy Spirit you need to be a Christian. I wanted to make that point. It's very, very uh, straightforward. But I want you to get that. And also I want you to see that Peter is poor, but he's rich. And what this city doesn't, doesn't particularly need is just more people that just have loads of money. You know, it, it, there's not a great need really fundamentally in this city that, that, that needs that. It needs people that are really rich. People who are rich in the presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what our city needs. 
That's what my neighbours need. That's what our colleagues, those who are rich in God, rich in Christ and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's the first thing. What I have, I give to you. So the crowd gathers. And of course, at this point, Peter now needs to make an explanation of what's going on. Because everyone's going, that's that guy. How did you do this? What's going on? So let's look at how Peter describes and explains what has happened. If we look at our next uh, slide here in Acts 3 still. Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? And then he goes and says a few other things and he says, His name, talking about Jesus, by faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. You see, now, if we're talking about the Holy Spirit equipping you to live the life, equipping you to do the stuff. You really need to get your head straight around this. Um, Because how many of you, if you prayed for someone today and they were like amazingly healed, would start sort of thinking, yes, 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 I'm, uh, yes, I thought that would happen because things have been pretty close with the Lord lately. And you sort of get into that kind of thing. You know, you suddenly start thinking of yourself as, oh, yeah, just a cut above, a bit holier. Yeah, it's a real... Uh, some of you could relate to that kind of thinking. You start thinking, yeah, I, I should be able to squeeze you in to pray for you too. If you, you know, you just sort of get this thing, you kind of develop this thing. And it's funny that really uh, the mentality of Peter really isn't that at all. He says, he says, why are you looking at us as if by our own power or piety, that means holiness, kind of, you know, that we're particularly holy. It's interesting that they don't associate the power of the Holy Spirit in their life with the fact they've kind of got to this holy thing and now the Holy Spirit has come on them because of that. They don't, then that is not how the apostles thought. And so many Christians do. We pray for you to be filled with the Spirit. You know, well, probably God won't, you know. Well, why not? well I'm not quite like so-and-so. And, and it's like, how does, how does this thing work? Here's how this thing works. You remember the story of David and Goliath? I mean, even if you're not used to church and stuff, you must have heard about that story. You've got the Israelite army and the Philistines. And then you, the Philistines have got this real bad boy. He's about 10 foot tall. And they come up with this great idea, which you would come up with if you had this guy in your army. And here's the idea. Why doesn't one of ours, I wonder which one, fight one of yours... And then whoever wins the one-on-one, they win the whole war. So that's kind, of, that's kind of what the Philistines are going for. And the Israelites are all quaking in their boots until teenage David comes along and says, I'll fight him. Um, and so they go, they go one-to-one. David throws the, the slingshot straight into the forehead, sinks him to the floor, cuts off his head. And at this point, the Philistines all run and the Israelites all suddenly get really brave. Rah, you know, and charge. Now... Just, just understand, it's really important you get this. As the Israelites are going to be chasing the Philistines, they're going to be picking up their armour, picking up their stuff, stuff they've dropped on the way. They're going to be coming back with their arms loaded full of spoil. But whose who's was the victory? It was David's. They didn't do anything. But David went ahead of them and won that victory. That's the gospel, guys. The gospel is that Jesus took on Satan. He took on the enemy of our souls. He took on the one who ravishes, ravages, who robs and steals and kills and destroys. He took, on, he took on the one who deceives and tempts. He took him on at the cross and disarmed him and overcame him and overcame sin and has overcome death through his resurrection. He's done it. And, and now him, this king, says, 
Oh, the, the nations are my inheritance and the Holy Spirit is all part of I, I, I've won all of these wonderful things for you. And so we come into the spoils of the spoils of victory really are ours through our association with Jesus. In the same way that the spoils of victory were the Israelites because of their association with David. It's a picture of the gospel. So you've got to get that into your system. Say, I thank you, Father, you've promised me the Holy Spirit because I'm a son. And you want me to walk in victory and live in victory because I'm joined with the victorious King Jesus. So I now, so now fill me with the Spirit. And then when God begins to use you and people's, I don't know, who knows, people may get healed or you may just find that you're just so able to share Christ in such a wonderful way. People getting saved or people, you name it, incredible, supernatural, inexplicable things happen through your life. You won't feel the need to buy a white suit and start acting weird. Okay? You can just carry on being normal and just recognise it's the grace of God on you and the power of the Spirit through your association with Jesus. Is that cool? Really important that you get that. Um, if you like white suits, that's fine. Okay, so uh, I was kind of caricaturing something there. But anyway, here we go. Afraid to look up in case someone's got one on. Right, so, um, so what I have, I give to you. Not by our power, not by our piety, Peter says. Um, not about us, about him. It all points to Jesus, all the miraculous stuff. Okay, now what happens is, is they then because of the stir and the storm caused by this moment, a huge crowd gathering, the Jews, the officials, the authorities start getting really freaked out. They pull in the apostles for a questioning and, and they begin to say, what are you doing? Explain what you're up to. This is out of order. And then we'll see what happens in Acts 4. By what power or by what name did you do this? They know about this guy who's been in invalid for 40 years. They want to know how on earth. It's not like he's slightly better. The man's jumping around. Okay? It's not like, yeah, it feels a little bit better. No, he's jumping around. Okay? I'm cool with partial healings. I, I, I'm cool with it. But I want you to, I want you to understand the, the, the wonder of this moment. Invalid 40 years, dancing and leaping. That's what we've got. They want to know what, what has gone on here. But what, Then Peter... Filled with the Holy Spirit. Said to them, rulers of the people and elders, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognised they had been with Jesus. I want to just draw your attention to a few little things here. First of all, I want you to notice that um, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit in the moment in order to answer a difficult question, which is exactly what Jesus promised. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus said, When they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, it's exactly what's happening there. He's being filled with the Spirit and he knows exactly what to say, which is, again, a great encouragement. So many Christians fear moments where this happens, oh, that happens, what will I say? Jesus says you're not to be anxious. The Holy Spirit will give you what to say. Trust him. He tells the truth. He'll tell you what to say. But then notice this, because he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he just starts talking about Jesus and the gospel. Because when you're filled with the Spirit, that's what you do. He goes straight to the gospel. And it's interesting that he, the, the terminology he uses is very, very forthright. Jesus, whom you crucified, it's quite confrontational, isn't it? God raised from the dead. There's salvation in no one else. 
There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's an example of how you speak when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You preach the gospel as the gospel, not your opinion or a nice idea or your faith or a personal conviction. It's the gospel. It's God's gospel, his own message. You don't get to fiddle around with it, pretend it's yours, it's your little thing. It's his, and, and he has made it clear that his way of salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of the most countercultural and difficult things for the church in this nation in this age because people generally speaking are kind of happy for Christians to be Christians and to have personal faith and to as long as they hold it as their own convictions and don't get too excited about others wanting to become Christians. Um, I need to say to you I'm totally excited about people becoming Christians um, because here's why um, there's salvation in no one else for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. You cannot be saved apart from Jesus. You can't. Why? Because this is, this, is, this is God's salvation. God has given his one and only son to pay the price for our sins. It's not, it's not believing Jesus and just kind of try and do better. It's not just, well, it isn't all the same. We all just sort of call it different names, but really you're just doing the same thing. You're trying to be nice. No, we're not. Us Christians are saying we're not nice. And even that those of us that were, we were still sinners, just nice ones. Okay? We need saving. And we can't save ourselves. This is not moralism. This is not must try harder. This is not pull yourself up by your bootstraps. The Son of God died in my place so I could be rescued. The Son of God rose again for me so I could have eternal life. I am joined to Him. Everything I have in salvation comes from the fact that I am joined with Him by faith. This is God's salvation. So important. You know this, you live this, and you humbly and graciously speak this way. Because you might say, well, why? Why, why speak this way? Here's why. Because if you don't, number one, you're not being honest. You're not really being honest. If you just say, well, kind of, this is just what I believe, but you believe what you like. Is it? If that's the case, I question whether you're actually a Christian. I'd question that. A Christian is someone who knows Jesus is the Saviour, the Lord. Jesus is who he said he was. And you've put your trust in him. Secondly, it's not going to help anyone. It's not going to help anyone. Uh, it, it really won't. You, you're not actually serving that person. Thirdly, it's actually quite arrogant to be sharing your own opinions like that. It's quite arrogant to be sharing your own opinions and expecting someone else to be interested in them. But to share God's salvation is totally appropriate. So, you, um, for some of you, this is kind of like, uh, why? Because there's a worldview out there that's totally different from the biblical worldview. The worldview is relativism. It's basically, as long as you really believe it, as long as kind of it meets meaningful to you, then that's enough. The Bible says it's absolutely not enough. It's just, it's old-fashioned, um, uh, human autonomy I don't want to, to live for God or do it God's way I want to create my own little thing and live by that and that's the essence of sin and that's what Jesus comes to save us from okay so this is the deal guys this is, this is just this is the Bible and this is what it says and this is the message of the Bible this is the message of Jesus Christ I'm happy for you to be offended at me by it I just want to say just recognise that, that you're, you're, you're being offended at the message of the Bible so that you know where your problem is. I want you to, I want you to see that and understand that because you, you'd, you'd probably just get it wrong a bit if you just thought it was, it was my, my problem. That says, I'm really happy to be associated absolutely and, and own it, but understand what's going on there. God has said something through the Bible that you are having big issues with. We're really happy to talk with you um, about that. So, that's, so, so they're answering like this. It's quite amazing going on. And then, they said, and then the official said to them, well, look, okay, you're to stop talking about Jesus, otherwise we're going to really start to hurt you. So how do they respond? Next slide. They go and they pray. 
And they say this to God, grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That's their response. We've been threatened. Okay, what do we do? We don't go back and have a discussion. Should we carry on speaking, guys? It's a done deal. God's told us to speak about Jesus. We carry on, but we just need boldness. And the response, if we're told in chapter 4, what happens after they pray this prayer, verse 31, when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. The actual place was shaken. So, I mean, man alive, you know, that wasn't just kind of, oh, someone's shaking. The whole place was shaken. And uh, they, so God's all right with shaking, all right? And uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So here you see something of an ongoing filling with the Holy Spirit. Peter's been baptized in the Spirit at Pentecost. We see here that when he's being questioned, he's filled with the Spirit. Now, corporately, there's a corporate filling of the Spirit going on. This is the ongoing Spirit-filled life that we read about. It seems as we're, as we're looking at it that it's quite a dramatic kind of moment. I don't, I've never been in a room that's shaken. Um, there may be some of you that have. I wouldn't, if you did, I wouldn't, I wouldn't again. If somebody said, well, I have, I'd be like, cool. You know, God, I believe God can do that stuff. I don't have any issues with that. Um, but I want you to see it's quite dramatic. I don't know that I would necessarily be saying, guys, you've got to go for this stuff every day. You, know, you go for a, a room shaker. You know? I think it was a moment where they were under serious threat and persecution and God gave them a really beautiful sign just to really help them. So I think God in those moments will definitely be up for doing that. But, what I would, but what I'm, the point I want you to get through always is ongoing experience of the Holy Spirit. It's Christian life. Ongoing experience of the Holy Spirit. That is the Christian life. That's the pattern that God has laid down uh, that laid down there for us. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly trying to sort of put to death this nervousness around the Holy Spirit and experiencing God. Really has no place, no need to be nervous about that. It's absolutely God's, it's absolutely um, um, God's way. So then they carry on speaking and they get pulled in again. <laughs> and look what happens this time. We'll go to our next slide. They say to them again, you've got to stop. And then they say, well, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. You think, oh man, do you know what I mean? You think, just slow down, you know. They're just straight in there with this kind of thing. I mean, you think, I'm bad. I mean, look, I just want to say, all right, you think I'm bad. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and saviour to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonour for the name. And every day in the temple, so publicly and from house to house privately, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. It's subversive. It's downright rebellious, really. And the Christian stance is this. We will obey the laws of the land absolutely unless we are told to do something that Jesus tells us to do otherwise. At that point, we disobey. To the point of prison? Yeah. That's, that's the Christian stance. That's the biblical Christian stance. So we obey Jesus. There's the, I love the logic. You, we must obey God rather than the men. In another one of the ones they say to them, well, judge for yourselves. Who should we obey? Judge for yourselves. Should you obey you or should we obey like the living God? You know, it's a lovely logic. God has told us, commissioned us to make disciples, to preach the gospel whether it's fashionable or not, whether you're in a season of loads of people becoming Christians or a season of a massive people just falling away. Preach the gospel in season and out of season. Absolutely. God will own it. God will do his work through his gospel. This is a beautiful thing. Now, I want you to notice here, he does say 
that God gives the Spirit to those who obey Him. So at this point, I want to just highlight that there because it's not the opposite of what I said earlier about, oh, the Holy Spirit came because I'm really holy. It's not that. What Peter is saying is this, is that, for example, if in the last instance, after they'd been threatened not to speak, if they'd gone back and said, well, you know what, Lord, I don't know really whether we should speak about you anymore. You're going to really have to show us. I don't think at that point the room would have shaken and they'd been filled with the Spirit because they knew what to do. And they're actually, they're, they're, they're questioning and raising a discussion out of something that God has already said. Okay? God said it. He knew what would happen when he said it. He's absolute foresight, so they knew what to do. But when they said, God, we're going to do it, but, but <laughs> do some signs and wonders. Enable us. Yeah. So it's as we resolve to obey him, he will fill us with the Spirit. That's where he meets you. I found that in my own life. He meets you in that place of risk. Sorry, I wish it, I really wish it was different. I really do. Because actually as you get older, you just want more and more sort of comfort, really. And you think, God, can you change? Can you, just, can you change, you know? And uh, that doesn't, he doesn't. Um, so uh, it's, that is the way it goes. And, you know, I've been provoked lately. Me, Simon, Rich been chatting, which is like, Terry had so many stories. And all of my stories are about other people or, you know, 10 years ago. And I was like, yeah, God, yeah, we've really got to... So God, I've been really praying into this and looking for opportunities, you know, trying to pray for people on the streets. None of them want me to yet, but I'm still, I'm still going, I'm still going at it, you know. But there is this element of saying, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a go, you know. And so I remember a group of guys yesterday hanging out outside, sort of group of teenagers, you know. I mean, they were all right, they looked a bit menacing, but uh, and I just, well, it was quite funny. They were actually in the swing park, on the swings, you know. <laughs> Now, they weren't six or seven, all right? They were genuine teenagers. And, but uh, me, me and the guys were going to the park. I took Levi Melody, and I was like, ah, we were going to go on the swings, and there's all these kind of... Um, but I thought, well, they'll be all right. So I said, fellas, you can you'd be all right if we have a go, you know. So um, they were cool with that. So we were on the swings while they're doing their thing, looking jumpy when they see police cars and stuff. And so we were just doing our thing. And then, and then we finished, took the kids indoors, and then I noticed that they just stood outside by the alley near us. And I just knew it's, it's, that mo- it's the moment, you know? And uh, I just went out there and just said, God, just share my story with you about how Jesus has changed my life. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really cool. Had a great chat. And then, but, they, but where it got to was it's all that miracle stuff in the Bible. It's nonsense. So I'm like, well, let's pray for healing, you know, because you can have your, your own little Red Sea moment. And one of them had been in a fight and had a sore jaw. So I said, well, we'll pray. So I told out for it. So I prayed for him. He didn't get healed. And you think, God, I've come out here and I've done it, you know. Didn't get healed. Don't, do I have any explanation? No. But absolutely refused to shrink back. I've seen him here. I've seen him here amazing. I remember, I remember a little, well, it was a few years ago now, but I remember walking past an estate locally and I felt God tell me, go, go, go there. So I remember walking up there. And as I'm walking up the stairs, I suddenly hear all these yeah, sort of teenage broken voices saying, oh no. So I carry on walking because I know God's led me there. And I get there, I start telling about Jesus, everyone's giggling. And I said, oh, does any of you need a miracle? One of them said, yeah, a dog's bit in my leg. It's smashed up. I can't bend it. Da, 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 da. So I prayed for him. He was instantly healed in the moment. Huh. Instantly healed. He went bright red. <laughs> I mean, it was like re- he just went bright red because he's like, I could do it. And it was just an amazing moment. I've seen God heal. I know God does it. So I don't get what happened yesterday. But what, what, I, what, I, do, what I do know with all my heart is that it pleased the heart of God. And I was able to share the gospel so beautifully, clearly with them. And I know next time I see him now, we can just pick it up where we left off. And so, but I want to, I want to encourage you. God does give the Spirit to those who obey, you know? And I, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying, so what's obeying? Oh, it's when you go and speak to groups of teenagers. No, because I think 
On Pentecost, there was only one person who preached to, to, to the crowd. It was Peter. That was his moment to do that. No one else did, but they were all filled with the Spirit. So don't caricature, I've got to do that now. No, God has called you where he's called you. God has equipped you for what he's equipped you. Just believe him to empower you for where he's got you and what he quickens you for, but it will involve risk. It will. I want to just say that. That's how Jesus lived. Those who say they are in him ought to walk in the same manner that he walked. If you've just signed up to just come to church for the next 40 years or whatever, and you've really missed it. You've really missed it. I've got to say that. Uh, I say it to me as much as you. This is like the weekly sort of climax where we just come together and celebrate all that God is doing. But if nothing much is going on the other days, something's really wrong, guys. So we've got to, we've got to feel that in our, in our hearts. And it won't be drama every day. I'm not, I know I'm a bit dramatic. You know, I, know, I know I am. Okay? I'm not saying it should be drama every day. But there's, there's moments. There's moments. And there's challenges. And we've got to step out and living boldly. There's also just a living boldly the Spirit brings, and it's important that that's the journey that we are on together. So I want to just finish really now by just, um, I want to also just look at the suffering and the joy, sorry. So they get scourged, and then they went, they're on their way rejoicing. They've been counted worthy to suffer, dishonor for the name. They got it, it was the name, Jesus. We used to do a kids' club in a, uh, when we lived in South London every Saturday, and it got really hairy at some point. So, I mean, really, you think kids, yeah, it got really, really hairy. Violence, I mean, you know, nasty stuff. And I remember walking back one time, one of the kids had just spent most of the morning getting his hair pulled out and all that. And there was just a strange supernatural joy. <laughs> and it's hard to explain, but it was like, it's for Jesus. It's for Jesus. That's the big deal. Because it's the name. It's the name. He's the one that God has exalted to the highest place. He is the King. He is the Lord. It's all about Him. And this Spirit-filled life, it just takes you to Jesus, just takes you to Christ. So to finish, to say this application, don't be satisfied with anything that's less than a biblical standard. Keep pressing. Keep pushing. Keep going forward. Do I know this? Could you say, if you said to me, Steph, do you know, have you, did you say you've been baptised in the Spirit like these guys? I would say there have been rare moments in my life where I feel I've touched something like it. But it's not my, it's not my, it's not my daily experience. So what I do then, I press on. I press on and I'm calling you to press on. And um, um, because our city, our neighbours, our workplaces need spirit-filled believers. They need people that are after Christ, that love Jesus and are hungry for Jesus. And, uh, and, 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 I think a lot of the people actually don't have a problem with the doctrine. It's the people. It's the Christians they meet. It's shocking the amount of times I hear people in conversation caning Christians. Why? Because of what they believe? No. Why? Because they, they've got a naff work ethic. They leave the work to all the rest of the other people. Or they're always moaning about this. Or, or they won't stop saying hallelujah when someone just wants a normal conversation with them. Yeah? You think it's not the doctrine. It's the, it's the Christians. It's the Christians. Golly, God help us. God help us. Philippians 3. Oh, we're the light of the world, man. You know where they've been called to be the light of the world? I think Jesus. He said, I'm the light of the world. And he said, you're the light of the world. You think, Jesus, are you sure? You've got the right people. Here's Paul. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish 
in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. That's the Christian life. That you may have had a really, you might have, things might have happened even this morning, you think, ah, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Not being a captive to your past, whether it's just mediocrity or downright terrible stuff. There's always a new day in Jesus. And I want to speak to you as Christians and say, let's, pursue him and I want to speak to you those of you that hear that you either don't believe or you, you're not quite sure where you're at and I'd say it's all about Jesus it's all about Jesus this isn't just some kind of weird ticket we're on where we're just creating some kind of weird thing objective historical fact he was born he came he lived he died he rose again and uh, he lives forever interceding for us at the right hand of the Father he will return he will return he will return and he will make all things new and um, you get to choose whether you want to spend forever with him in the new heavens and the new earth and with his people. And it will be amazing. And it won't just be singing. I want to just say that. Singing's great. But it's not just, some people are like, just singing. No, it won't just be singing. Okay? Because it can be, you think, you know, I, I get that. I love, I love to sing. Sometimes I think, singing forever. I'm sure it would be cool, but can we do some things as well? Yeah. Yes, we can. You think God would have made creation like he's made it and then made the new heavens and new earth? Just singing, guys. <laughs> what, no diving? No, 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 like, sort of, no scuba without terrifying, deadly great whites. Like, are you serious? You've just made a creation without any more danger or anything like that. And I can't even go scuba diving where I was terrified before, but now I'm not. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? What kind of perfect father would say, yeah, you're just singing? <laughs> Beautiful sea there. It's turquoise, isn't it? Yeah, no, but you're, you're singing. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm up for singing. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But there's a whole life, physical life, new body, in the new heaven, not floating, physical body, new heavens. I've got to kill some of these myths. New, new body for the new heavens and the new earth, like Jesus's, can eat. Eating. Okay? But can appear in locked rooms. Pretty cool. Okay? This is the model, the prototype of the new... This is it, all right? Biblical. So it's going to be really great and it's worth giving yourself for, okay? Because um, this is the thing. If you don't have a strong and certain hope and really live with it, you end up just refu- not wanting to sacrifice because it's like, <gasps> I want to just kind of eat and drink because tomorrow I die. We've got a party lined up and it's going to last forever. <laughs>